Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad you're here. If you're a visitor with us and you have questions about this congregation or about Unitarian Universalism, please don't hesitate to ask either me or the kind and friendly people at the visitor table, and they'll do their best to help you out. We come from a heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is by turning to the people around us and welcoming them here. Let us say together the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. May the flame we now kindle light the path back to our center, back to that place of belonging again to our deepest self. And may our chalice remind us that we are held and welcomed whole without the need to hide a single piece or part of who we are. Good morning. My name is Erica Ebison. I'm delighted to be serving as your lay leader this morning. So I'm going to be reading something written by John O'Donohue. He's a white Irish poet. He was also an author, a priest, a Hegelian philosopher, and he liked single malt scotch. (laughs) He was a native Irish speaker, and as an author, he's best known for popularizing Celtic spirituality. You travel, certainly, in every sense of the word. But you take with you everything that you have been, just as the landscape stores its past. Because you were once at home somewhere, you are never an alien anywhere. This congregation has a mission, and we wrote it on our wall, and we say it together every Sunday. Together... We nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. And now please join me, standing or sitting as you are able, in reading the responsive reading. It's going to be in the gray hymnal number 635, A New Heart. Who can say, I have purified my heart and I am free from sin? There are none on earth so righteous that they never sin. Cast away all the evil you've done and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. A new heart will I give you, a new spirit put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart that feels. For thus says the eternal God, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks them out, when any of the flock go astray, so will I seek out my sheep. I will put my spirit within you and teach you to live by my laws. For I desire love and not sacrifices, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Please join me in an attitude of meditation and prayer. Holy mystery, 
There's so much distress. We watch the news and we see people running. Burning. It is hard to understand how to be people of love in this situation. It is hard to understand not to let all the horror drive us to despair. It is hard to know what actions are required from us today, tomorrow, the next day. So we stand mute, shaking, in tatters. We can turn off the news, but it's still happening. We can't turn off the fact that it's happening. May we learn how to celebrate the joy in our own lives, even while being a witness to the sorrow of the world. May we understand how to look for the goodness as well as look at the suffering directly, unashamed and unafraid. May we build sturdy and resilient spirits. Now let us enter into a time of silence. You are welcome to use the metta meditation from the Buddhist tradition as your meditation, if you like. As we sit here, understanding that in this congregation, small noises of children and the noises of life count as part of the silence.
So as Bear said tonight at sundown, those among us and around us who are of Jewish heritage begin celebrating the festival of Sukkot, or booths. Each booth is called a sukkah, and Sukkot, uh, that's the um, plural in Hebrew of the booths. And it's meant to remind the people of their time as they were wandering in the desert for 40 years and the protection that God gave them in the desert while they were wandering. There are lots of rules about how to build a sukkah. It has to be outside, and you have to have a roof made of things that used to be growing from the ground and then got cut from the ground. So branches, you could use two-by-fours if you wanted because they used to be trees. But you have to be able to see the stars through the roof. It can't be uh, kind of a sturdy roof that will keep the rain out because this is a temporary shelter and it's meant to remind you that when you're out in the weather, you're vulnerable. It has to have three walls and it's usually decorated with fruits and vegetables because it is also, as well as being a wandering festival, it's a harvest festival, which is kind of like two different chapters of the Jewish people's lives. Like they were, they were wanderers in the wilderness, but when you're wandering and nomadic, you can't plant anything, right? And you only plant stuff when you've settled. Because if you plant stuff and you're wandering, then you don't get to be there when the stuff comes up. So it's a, a festival of wanderingness and rootedness. And the family is supposed to eat in the sukkah for seven days and sometimes even sleep out there. And so if you're living in the suburbs, you can build it in the front yard or the backyard. It has to be outside. Um, It could be in the driveway. If you're in a city kind of house, you build it in the driveway. Or if you're in an apartment in the city, you build it on the fire escape. So... The first of the three high holy days, or um, in the Jewish tradition, comes in the fall, Rosh Hashanah. And then uh, ten days later, after the birthday of the world, that's Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, comes Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is a day of fasting and confession of sins, apologies, and the release from vows is also a lesser-known part of the tradition. So on Yom Kippur, you fast and you do what in the 12-step program they call a searching and fearless moral inventory and see where you have messed up and who you've messed up. Would that be a whom? Anyway, and I apologize for messing up my syntax. Anyway, um, and then you make apologies. In the Protestant tradition that I was raised in, you ask God for forgiveness, but in the Jewish tradition, you have to ask forgiveness from the person that you wronged, which makes a lot of sense. And it also makes sense that five days after Yom Kippur, when you have major confession, when you have major apologies, when you've asked for forgiveness, when you've possibly been released from a vow that was untenable, unrealistic, that you can't, you can't keep, um, that you would feel a lightness of being, that you would feel less burdened, that you would be able to move through the world 
in a lighter way. And maybe part of it is just being, uh, stepping out of your routine. You know, in, in, um, in my world, the routine is really based around breakfast and then lunch and then dinner and work and rest. And if I don't have breakfast or lunch or dinner, feel I'm at a loss. What do I do? And, um, and who do I go be with? And I think that to have a day of fasting, it just um, gives your life a little nudge so that your thoughts can be inviting themselves to think about different things, to think about your life, to think about, well, what do I actually really need in my life? And who do I actually need in my life? And isn't my body a fragile shelter, temporary? Because I, I need to feed it at least once a day in order for it to feel good, and I haven't fed it today, and it's feeling fragile. And, you know, we get sick, too, and feel fragile, and then we get old, and we feel fragile, and sometimes we're temporarily able-bodied, and then something happens, and then we're temporarily not able-bodied until we're temporarily able-bodied again or never maybe get that way again. It's good to be reminded that we're, that our whole illusion of safety and security is that, an illusion. And it's nice to have a little gentle reminder of that. Like, my apartment is right there with my books and my cat and my uh, air conditioning. And it's right there, but I'm in this temporary shelter out here, reminding myself that I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for my brick-and-mortar house that's right here while I'm out in the driveway eating with my family in the sukkah. And the Jews are a people who belong to, rather than a place, although some would argue that there's a place now, but rather than a place, they've always belonged to the stories of the people. We are the people who wandered in the wilderness. We are the people who were promised this land. We are the people who plant or wander. We are the people who celebrate this way and we remember when we felt protection in the desert, we mark that time. We don't just go, oh yeah, thanks for the protection. Every year we build a temporary shelter and we invite people in. And we say, this is what's important. We have fruits, we have vegetables, we have family, we have air, we have water, it's enough. Uh, many of your families have family stories so that you know which family you belong to. A lot of families have, you know, this is a story of our family. We came in through Ellis Island in such and such a year. Or <clears throat> this is the land my family's been on for 600 years, and we fought for it. And we were pushed off of it. And remember where our great-grandfather, they used to own that whole town over there. Or you say, remember when we all, um, when the fields started to blow away and we had to load up the car and move to Bakersfield, California and pick other people's crops. And they called us Okies, even though we were from Arkansas. 
Or remember our grandfather and his three sisters who used to play all the dance halls in Texas? Unitarians have stories of our people, too. We can say, um, remember um, John Adams and John C. Calhoun, who, despite their terrible political differences, um, John Adams was on the right side, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Together, they built All Souls Unitarian in Washington, D.C., Remember when a minister in San Francisco did a civil union between two men in 1957? That was a brave thing to do. Remember when Beacon Press, the Unitarian at first press, uh, published the Pentagon Papers at great risk? Those are our people. Remember when Elliot Richardson, the Attorney General, wouldn't fire Archibald Cox from the Watergate investigation? And he got fired himself in the Saturday Night Massacre. Elliot Richardson was a Unitarian. We're proud of our people living their values. So for the Jewish people interrupting their routine for seven days to eat out in the sukkah with the family interrupts daily routine enough to have questions like, Well, what exactly is enough? What do we really need for life? How grateful can I be for my house and my my people? And how grateful am I that the people can come sit with me and together we can have meals out here in this temporary shelter while we see the sky? And the sukkah reminds us, Reminds us how fragile everything is. Not only our bodies, but our plans are fragile. Our democratic institutions can feel very fragile. Knowing how fragile everything is and knowing how little you really need, deciding what is enough can help make your spirit mighty. It can help make your spirit mighty enough to say, I could get fired from this job for doing the right thing, and I'm going to do it anyway. Because I know I don't really need my big house in Georgetown and my two cars. Georgetown, Washington, D.C., not. (laughs) And I think it's a very kind and gentle reminder to have a temporary shelter right next to your permanent shelter. And I think just reminding yourself is what makes a mighty spirit. What do I really need? What is enough? What can I do without? And let's turn it around too. Like Jordan sang in the first song, I will be your shelter. I will be your fortress. Who are we supposed to be a shelter for? We're a shelter right now for our guest in sanctuary. Your words, your actions, your Stories are probably shelter for other people right now, people in your lives. And we commemorate this time when we're sheltered for one another. Remember those things. Write them down. Put a stone on the windowsill just to remember that's the time. For me, I write it down. And I remember a friend of mine who was a shelter for me when I just found out. I was a sophomore in college, I think, and my mother was very sick with breast cancer, and I was sad. Um, And uh, my roommate had a beautiful, beautiful 
operatic voice, and she played a little guitar. And I said, would you just sing me to sleep? Just sing to me while I go to sleep. And she did. I wish there were a little pill I could take and not cry. (laughs) Really, I'm fine. I'm just grateful to her. So we are supposed to be shelter for each other. And we are supposed to make it larger and larger as we draw the circle wide. And now please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. This benediction is from a song by Holly Near. I am open. And I am willing for to seem hopeless would be so strange. It dishonors those who go before us. So lift us up to the light of change. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.